Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 148 of Parenting in Real Life. This is part two of our conversation of last week, so if you haven't listened, make sure you check that out. We are talking about The Coddling of the American Mind, which is a book that Alan read and we are talking about. So last week we talked about, there's three untruths, and last week we talked about what doesn't kill you makes you weaker, and then today we are going to continue our conversation about always trust your feelings and life is a battle between good people and evil people. So those are the untruths we'll be addressing today. So... Stay tuned for this conversation. Hi, I'm Alan. And I'm Alexis. We had five kids in seven years. People think we're crazy, and sometimes we think they might be right. But most of the time, we love it. We hope this is a place where you can learn to be a better parent, but without taking yourself too seriously. Whether you're a new parent or have a few years under your belt, we hope you can find something new to think about. Or laugh about. After all, this is Parenting in Real Life. So while we were thinking about a parenting real life moment, I thought that a moment from my childhood was a good example. My mom let us kind of run amok. Our house butted up to like a literal mountain and a mountain range technically. And so we would often just like say, bye mom. And we would run up in the mountains and come back hours later. And I remember two in particular times where as a young kid, like maybe 11 or 12, I was like, hey, mom, me and my best friend want to dig a hole, a cave in the mountain. And she was like, okay. So we literally spent like a week digging with shovels into this really steep mountain behind our house to the point where my friend could lay on his stomach and he was just at the end of the tunnel and I could lay on my stomach and we were both in the mountain. So we were like, I don't know, 10 feet into the mountain. This is giving me Count of Monte Cristo vibes. We I just, know. We just it watched basically that was movie. that. So she totally let us do that. The mountain did collapse on us, but we both survived. And that's their point, right? Like, yes, things can go wrong, but they're okay, right? Most of the things your kids can do themselves are going to be fine. And so use caution, but not like overbearance. She also let us just like run up in the mountains. I remember during the summer, I would literally like just go be in the mountains for hours. And I'd come back at night and things were fine. One time, me and my friend even went hiking. Like, we left 6 in the morning. We took a few granola bars and apples. And we didn't get back until, like, 6 at night because we got lost in the mountains. But we also survived. And I just think, like, now that I hear with a parent lens, I'm like, oh, my gosh. My mom was just letting us go crazy. Like, what? You know, like, I, as a parent, can't do what my mom did. And I think my mom was doing exactly what... I needed, right? What I needed was that freedom and it it was giving me permission to believe in myself, right? And believe that I could do hard things and make mistakes and get lost and then find my way back. And I did. And now I'm not coddled. I have a brilliant, resilient mind because I got lost in the mountains a couple times. And that's still Alan's dream is to live in the mountains. <laughs> He's like, if we could just sell our house and go live in the mountains, I'd love that. Be like, pass. So he married the wrong girl for that one. Yeah, Sorry. That's true. She needs a target less than 15 minutes away. Oh, amen. And a beach. <laughs> that we don't have. So their solutions to the two, so that, that second untruth, which was trust your thoughts, right? The world teaches you should trust your thoughts. 
if your brain is saying that that's not true or that's unsafe or that's whatever, then just trust it. That is a huge topic right now. And we hear this a lot, especially on the religious side of it, is that people are talking about their truths, right? It's like, well, this is my truth because this is what I believe and this is what I think. And from a religious standpoint, we've been discussing this a lot, that that's actually not true. There are truths and then there's and then it's not true, right? You don't have your own truths. And so society is teaching us that we need to just trust ourselves and our own thoughts. It's and hipster. <laughs> just, right, and just be I doing just our own I believe my truth. Like, nope. Up is up and down is down. And yeah. gravity is gravity. Like, there are truths, right? And along with these conversations that we've been having, like, you can prove pretty much any truth that you want. Like we were talking about how, you know, there was a while there where there are some NBA players who were pretty convinced that the world is flat, right? These are, this was just a few years ago and there are tons of yeah. support for that, right? So yeah. anything that you believe or think, you can find a way to support that online. And so that's the hard thing too, is like we have so much information coming from all directions that sometimes it's hard to know what really is true and what we really do believe. And, and what they eventually get down to in the book, that even our thoughts can betray us, right? In fact, there's a whole school of thought in psychology called cognitive behavioral therapy. And it's this idea that you need to teach yourself to catch your own thoughts lying to yourself. So I think a lot of people deal with this, some more acutely than others, but a lot of us have thoughts in our heads that are just wrong right? Like you'll tell yourself, I'm never going to be good at making friends or that person must hate me or whatever. There's all these cognitive biases that are just wrong. And our brain will tell us sometimes in really convincing ways that these terrible things are true. But the reality is it's not true, right? That we create this doom and gloom scenario for ourselves in the world that just isn't foundation. Like it's just wrong. And so Cognitive behavioral therapy is something that they recommend. And they give a whole list of resources that can teach kids how to use cognitive behavioral therapy and catch false thoughts. And we've talked about this a little bit on a previous episode. We can put that in the show notes about this is especially true with kids with anxiety, right? Is that they'll have these thoughts and there's ways to train yourself to pull out those thoughts, say like, is this true or not true? Like, Think yeah. about it. Like, because often when you have anxiety, you'll have these irrational thoughts. But even beyond that, you'll have, like they said, there's just thoughts that are always in our mind. And a lot of them aren't true. Yep. We won't get into all of them. We will share the link to this article where they share all of their resources. But I, re I really like the example. One of the authors struggles with this. And his solution, the technique that he uses to correct his false thoughts, is he uses like a Muppet voice whenever he identifies a thought as false. And so it kind of just reminds him it's that mental trigger that like, oh, I need to check this thought because it's like I'm saying something definitive that isn't backed up with, with facts. But they give several books, The Worry Cure by Robert Leahy, Freeing Your Child from Anxiety, and seven others. So go and, and look at those resources if you think that that could help your kid. They also talk about mindfulness. So there's a couple resources they give to teach kids mindfulness. We've done this with a couple of our kids. One of our kids has Headspace, which is like a mindfulness app, and she loves it. And then we have another kid that doesn't love it but needs it. And so we've done some stuff like to help calm him down and help him do just take a breath and, and slow down. So 
I think there's, resources there. Yeah, there's a ton of resources on helping kids be mindful now. Because I feel like that's another thing that we you are probably seeing a lot of. So whether that's an app or if that's just tools that you that you need can use for your kids. But teaching them those things can help them learn how to be more mindful day to day. Yep. The third untruth was about how there's two kinds of people. There's good and there's bad people. And it's this universal fight over good and bad people. The counter to that untruth that they teach is that the line dividing evil and good cuts through the heart of every human being. Meaning, everybody has good and bad in them, right? We're we're just all learning. And we have good thoughts and true thoughts and wholesome thoughts. And we have bad thoughts and evil thoughts. And we need to stop painting this picture of a divided America or a divided school or a this or that. Like, we're so... And they talk about how instinctually... We are tribal people, right? People want to find a tribe. And they talk like professors do all these crazy experiments. They bring all these students into a lab and they give them each a number. And they say, okay, odd numbers over here, even numbers over here. And then they have them do a bunch of experiments. And they found just by sorting those kids based on even and odd numbers that they just got, they instantly form a tribe attachment to them and will help the people that they felt like were in their tribe even really, really weak tribes. And so in more important things, like what you believe about something, those tribal feelings are even deeper. So we have to teach ourselves and our kids that everybody's good. You can't teach people that there's evil people out there because there is good and bad in every person. That reminds me, we love the show Survivor. And that's it, right? They have all these strangers come onto this island and then they instantly divide them into tribes. And it's so interesting to watch them throughout because then they want to stay strong with their own tribe. Even when they get switched tribes or tribes merge or whatever, they want to stay strong with their own tribe, right? Even though they've only known these people for a couple of days. Yep. So the three tips they give to help with that is to be an example of giving people the benefit of the doubt. So teach them what that means to assume positive intent in others. They also talk about practicing the virtue of intellectual humility. They have a a talk for preteens and teens on being wrong. So teaching them it's okay to be wrong. Like it's okay to have bad information and learn and realize that you are misinformed. They also talk about how your school handles identity politics. A lot of schools more and more are saying that you can't talk about politics. They're trying to eliminate disagreement in our schools And that's not helpful for kids, right? We need to teach them how to have healthy conversations about them rather than just isolate them from those things. And that's what we were talking about, our family council jar in a recent episode. That's what we're trying to do there is be able to have these disagreements happen and allow our kids to talk about them, right? Like this happened and this happened and work through it and come up with a resolution together. And so that's just a simple way to do it at home in your own family. But being an example of that as a parent, like Alan was saying, is super important. And now for a quick break. One of the things that we're talking about in this episode is mindfulness. And one of the tips for helping kids to be more mindful is to help yourself be more mindful so that we can teach them. And one way to do that is to listen to guided meditations. I love starting my morning with a guided meditation so I can stay grounded and feel centered throughout the day. One of my favorite meditation podcasts is the morning meditation for women. It's a daily meditation that's only five to 10 minutes long, which is perfect for the busy mom who needs a few minutes each morning so that she can get your intentions for the day. The morning meditation for women is part of the women's meditation network that has 11 different meditation podcasts to choose from. Click on the link in the show notes to visit womensmeditationnetwork.com or search morning meditation for women on your favorite podcast app. 
One of the examples that I remember from the book is they talk about a principal in England that said, kids are not allowed to pick up snow. So they've taken it from, you know, back in the day where it's like, it's snowed, let's go have a snowball fight, to you're not allowed to pick up snow. And his reasoning was, what if one kid gets hit by a snowball that has a little piece of ice or a pebble in it? How would we feel if one kid lost his eyesight because of that? And so our the way we handle that is no picking up snow. It's just crazy the amount of insulation that we try and give our kids so that so that that freak thing doesn't happen. And now we're creating these kids that just feel like scared, like the world is literally out to kill them or break them or make them emotionally scarred or whatever. And the reality is they're going to be okay. And not that many snowballs have rocks in them and not that many kids go blind. So in this effort, this like genuine good effort of school administrators and teachers and parents to protect their kids, they're actually creating all these problems. And freak accidents do happen sometimes. And that's a part of living, right? That's a part of the human experience. And I think because we're trying to make those things not happen, we're just removing that living, right? And experiencing life. And yes, things are going to be hard and bad things are going to happen sometimes. But that's part of growing and learning is how to deal with those situations. And so if we're not providing our kids with opportunities to learn and grow, they're not going to, right? I, I think our school does like a kickball thing at the end of the year. Yeah, they have a kickball and last, tournament. last year, a kid got hit in the face and got messed up. Uh, he fell and he tripped. Or, yeah. I think he got hit with the ball. He tripped and landed on a kid's knee and like messed up his mouth. And super weird, right? That he happened to land on this kid's knee. Like it was just a really weird situation and he got injured pretty bad. But they're not going to stop the kickball tournament because one kid got hurt. And like, yes, that was sad and that was unfortunate, but it was a weird thing. Like, that's not going to happen every time. And they've been doing this for years and it hasn't happened before. I even feel this like, oh man, well, what are they going to do? What's their response? Right? You think like, oh, they're going to shut it down? Because that's the world we live in, right? Oh, somebody got hurt once, then we better shut it down. That better never happen again. And I'm glad that our school didn't do that. I'm glad that that wasn't their response. And it doesn't make it any less bad for that family and that kid. But he also survived. And... You know, like, it'll be the thing that he talks about forever. But it's worth the risk, I think, is what we're finding. And certainly on the whole, it it seems like it's worth the risk to do some of these things. And I'm saying, like, I'm like a recent convert to this stuff, right? Like, I I am an anxious parent that wants to just protect my kids. And I see my kids, like shove each other next to tables and stuff. I'm like, oh, you're going to, you know, like, I get that little, like, oh, they're going to hurt each other so bad. The reality is all of our kids are still alive and kicking somehow, right? <laughs> They've survived each other this far. And so got to gotta give them the, the flexibility, both intellectually and physically, to take risks. The last thing they talk about is screen time. Obviously, screen time is real. They talk about it. They don't, like, profess to be screen time, but it is pretty clearly correlated with the same time frame of this Gen Z coming up, and they grew up mobile first and always having a screen and and it's it's connected they don't attribute all of the issues to that but it's certainly it's there i think that's what we're finding in the research it's not just screens right it's a lot of stuff but screens are a piece of it right so they give three tips that i think are are like good high level things we've talked about screen time you can listen to those episodes we don't have like an official yep this is the right way to do it i think it's pretty personal but i really like all these things 
All screens are out of the bedroom by a set time. No social media until high school. And then agree on a time budget. I like what they say. If you don't set limits, then the psychologists in Silicon Valley will do everything they can to keep your kids on for five to ten hours a day. Right? Like their incentive is your kid on that screen as much as they can. And that is not, that's clearly not our incentive. Right? And so you've got to just set a budget. Whatever it is, it's important to have a budget so that they don't just... Because left to their own devices, it'll be all day, every day. And I think most devices will let you put time limits on it, right? Is I, I think overall... Some, some are easier than others. Some are easier than others, but a lot of screens are allowing parental controls that you can say, okay, you have to, it'll shut off at this time or after this many hours or whatever. And so whatever devices that your kids are using, I would suggest looking at that and say, okay, how many hours do we want to give our kid on this? And then set those time limits. And I think the hard part is sticking to them because often our kids will use do the time limit and they're like, can I have more time? You know? And (laughs) then you kind of, and then you cave where you're like, okay, I'll give you another hour, which is usually what I end up doing is like, well, he played this morning. So I guess he can have another hour now because his other friends are playing and whatever, you know, there's, there's reasons for that, but it's, it really is hard to stick to the time. If you know a tech developer, one thing I would say is let parents give a one time allowance, make that easier. Cause I think there's often like, I want to give you more time today, but that doesn't mean I want you to have extra time forever. And a lot of times it's hard to give them that one time allowance. So if you know somebody, then tell them to fix that. Anyway, highly recommend the book. I will say, I and I talk to Alexis every day, I'd come home listening to it and I'd be like, oh man, the first like two thirds or three fourths of the book are what's happening, what's happening, what's happening, the world's falling apart. And then finally, the last little bit, they're like, and here's some things we think will help. Like, it is like a lot of buildup and it's kind of scary stuff about what this looks like right now in schools across the country. Then I think it, it does get to some good tips. We jumped right to the tips. So if all you wanted with this was the tips, there they are. Link in the show notes so you can really dig into all those resources. If you want to get scared, then the book. But I think it's also convincing of why you should be doing those things, right? If you can see, because... You know, we have just our kids at home, still in elementary school. We don't have a lot of access to what's happening in the high school and the colleges right now, right? So if these researchers are saying, hey, this is what's happening, now is the time to prepare our kids so that that doesn't happen, right? That they can be better than what's happening right now. And so I think this, if you read through that, you can see like, wow, this is what is happening among this generation. Let's fix this in our own, at least in our own family. And so they can have a different experience. For me, I needed that. I need to think about all the crazy stuff happening because I'm an anxious parent by default, at least in the world that I live in as a parent. And so as I've said, like I sometimes feel nervous even listening to what's coming out of my mouth. Cause it's like, Oh man, am I really going to do that? Am I going to let my kids do that? And then I think back to like the craziness that's happening and it's crazy, crazy, like stuff I haven't heard of on the news. Crazy. So go in and listen and get yourself sufficiently scared so that you feel empowered to do some like unpopular things in parenting. Cause I don't think that this is, like the zeitgeist of parenting right now. I think most people are still shelter your poor little innocent kids. And that's just not backed up by what we're seeing. So, or what they're seeing. I love that there's solutions, right? Because that's what we need. It's like, yeah, you can, you can read it and get scared, but what do I do about it? And so they do get there eventually. Yeah. (laughs) That's the important part. I feel like. Yeah. (laughs) They also have tips for schools, K through 12 schools and colleges. So they kind of try and cover those parents, schools and colleges. 
so that those that can impact this next generation have the tools they need. So well done. Game changer book for me. And I don't say that about a lot of books. Most books are like me. But this one was a good one. So enjoy. We'll see you next time. Thanks everyone for listening. You can follow us on Instagram at Parenting IRL Podcast or find us on our website at parentinginreallife.com. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you're hearing, make sure to tell a friend. That's the best way for people to find out about our podcast. And if you haven't already, give us a rating. And a special thanks to our five kids for being kids.